Um, as you are aware, probably from the last few weeks, uh, tomorrow is the beginning of our school year. And uh, we start the Learning Center. We start in Greater Grace Christian Academy and in the Bible School. And I just wanted, we, we shared a little bit this morning with the 9 a.m. service. I just wanted to give you a little, uh, a little shout out for your part in seeing the vision come forward for Christian schools. And you might say, well, I don't have a child in the school. I don't know much about the school. Um, the reason we have the school is because of the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission tells us to go and to disciple and to let people know about the presence of God. And I was thinking about this in terms of Philippians 3.10. You know, Paul at the end of his life is saying, oh, that I may know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, right? And this is really what the vision of the church is, that we would take opportunities to let people get to know him. Um, we don't just teach doctrine, right? I mean, it's we, we do study doctrine, but we don't just teach about redemption, but we teach how to get to know the Redeemer and how to get to know the one who gives us the mind to think with him on a daily basis in the details of our life. So we have this, this opportunity and this mission and this joint venture with you, the body of Christ, because guess what? Without the body of Christ, we don't have teachers. We don't have an administration. We don't have a campus. Right? We don't, God gave us this vision. God gave us this ministry and then he fills it with all the fullness of his, his body. So you might not have a child in our school, but congratulations. Talk is cheap. People in this world talk a lot. They talk about all the things that you, you have to think. Talk about doctrine. Indoctrination is more like it. Right? You need to think, fairly about things. You need this, you need that. And the Lord says, no, you need to learn how to think with me in the details of life and to see the things that I see as important as important for you. So we have a, a mission in our school, and maybe we just flash that up here for just a minute, just so you know. And by the way, Greater Grace Christian Academy can be found ggca.org. Go on there sometime. See what your vision is doing, uh, what your your investment is is doing, and I don't mean financial investment that, that does happen, but I mean the investment that you have in people in our body is paying off directly in the vision that God has for the school. And, and when you see this, our mission is to disciple young people by word and example in the Spirit of God to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what we want students to do, right? Greater Grace will minister to church-going parents by assisting them in fulfilling their responsibility to train their children. We get to be the helpers, but it's their responsibility. It's you and I working together, collaborating with parents in their responsibility to raise students up that they might not just know redemption, but they know the Redeemer as well. We provide a Christ-centered, Bible-based environment and curriculum through which our students acquire the skills needed to be successful in life. That's our vision. That's our mission. That students would learn how to be able to be in the mind of God in their lives on a daily basis. That they would learn how to operate by faith. You know, there's a lot. Of, we, we get one shot at life, right? 
And what do we do with it? You know, do we become successful in our own, in our own mind? Do we think, I have a pretty nice, nice life. I have some things. I have some people that like me, I hope. Or do we say, Lord, what is it that you would have me do with this? You gave me something here very personal and you called me and you not only called me, but you equipped me and I can have an effect on the people around me on this earth. And when we leave here, there'll be something eternal that's left behind. Right? What's going to value? What's going to be valuable in, in all of eternity? Not how big my bank account was. Thank God. Right? Thank God. God gave you a great big bank account. Praise the Lord. Happy for you. But guess what? The biggest bank account in the world isn't going to please God. What's going to please God is what did you do with the faith that I gave you? What did you do with the word? How did you apply it in your own life? Did you walk in it in, in word and deed? Was it just something you taught people so that they could follow a nice religious system and at the end of the day you rolled it up and put it in your back pocket and then you didn't have anything to do with it? Or was it in your pores like a person who is trying to get rid of a cold and eats garlic to get rid of their cold? I'm talking to my brother-in-law, Tapio, Finn. Eat that garlic. It'll kill the cold. And you know what? It comes out of his pores. I'm playing chess with him one time with a scarf around my face because I couldn't, my eyes were watering so bad. You know what? It got rid of the cold and everybody around him as well. Uh, <laughs> but, but what comes out of our pores? You know, what comes out of our pores? And why are we doing that? Why do we have a school? Well, thank you body of Christ that we have a school because we have something that we feel is important we've consumed it and it's coming out of us and it's affecting people on this earth and 5 years, 10 years 15, 20 years down the road they are still walking in the truth that they received because of your faithful investment prayer, dedication, love joy and prayer I said it twice because I need it twice pray for this school year and pray for all that we do that it would be to the glory of God, fulfilling the mission that he's called us to do. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Yeah, Pastor Barry Quirk, the principal of our Christian Academy. Uh, we just want to, uh, first, before Pastor Love comes to take the offering, uh, we just want to welcome anyone who's here for the first time. So if you are a guest with us, would you raise your hand? We do have something to bring you. If this is your first time at a Greater Grace service, just raise your hand, lift your hand up, and we'll bring you something. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else over here? Ushers, are we? we got somebody down here, too, uh, in the front, right in the very front down here in the fourth row. So thank you for being with us today. All right, uh, one other announcement to make. Uh, we have a, uh, I don't know, in the, in the youth hut over there, we do have every Sunday a, a class teaching for students with needs, and that has a connection to a group of people who do that citywide. And uh, to that end, we're going to have a special event here, uh, an event of comedy uh, with Derek Tennant. You can look him up online to find out uh, if you like his jokes. Uh, but uh, tickets are available for that. That will be happening uh, Saturday, September 9th at 6.30 here in the chapel. If you want to be a part of that, you can go to our 
uh, events page at our ggwo.org website. But that's September 9th at 6.30, night of comedy here to benefit our, our special needs ministry. And so right now, welcome Pastor Love. Good morning. We're going to take the offering this morning. And um, if there's something that we have learned about our money and wealth, we know that it sprouts wings and it flies away. Amen? I think we've all seen our money fly away <laughs> in different directions. But um, let me just, I just want to share this story with you, and I think it's a true story. It's about a wealthy man who... Well, he, he owned a, a, just a huge piece of land, a huge piece of property, and on that land, just a, a huge mansion. He was very, very, very wealthy, the wealthiest man in that part of the country. And this was many, many years ago, but um, he also had a gentleman that was his caretaker. His name was Carl. He was a, a little bit of an older man. And one day, this wealthy landowner was riding his horse, which he did on a regular basis, and he came across his caretaker, Carl, who was sitting under a tree getting ready to eat his lunch. And as he drove up on his horse, he just looked at him and he saw him with his head bowed and he was thanking God for his food. And he came up and he approached him. He says, what are you doing? He says, oh, sir, he says, I'm just thanking God for my lunch. And he looked at what he had. It was just a coarse piece of bread and some cheese. He said, you're thanking God for that? And he said, oh, yes, sir, it's, it's more than enough, and I'm so grateful for it. And he kind of shook his head, and as he was about to leave on his horse, he said, sir, he says, I, I feel compelled that I should tell you this. He said, I had a dream last night, and in the dream, the wealthiest man in the valley died. And he looked at him, and he said, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Why are you telling me that? He said, I just... I just thought I should tell you, it was, it was greatly impressed upon my heart. So landowner drove away in his horse, but he couldn't stop thinking about it. So when he got to his home, he called his personal physician. He had him come to his home and say, you know, just, just want to check up, just want to, you know, a physical exam, see how I'm doing. And the doctor came and he checked him out and ran a few simple tests. He says, he goes, you're fine. He says, you're healthier than that horseshoe ride. And he took some comfort in that, and then he went to bed that night. But later that evening, there was a, a knock on the door. And an, another one of his uh, servants came, and he says, Sir, he says, uh, I thought I should tell you that Carl died today. The dream came true, because Carl was the wealthiest man in the valley. Not the landowner, not the one with all the money but the man who knew God and thanked him for everything that he had. So wealth, it's interesting, isn't it? The Bible tells us there are all these road signs. We came into the world with what? What are we going to take with us? Did somebody say a car? I don't think so. No, we came in, we actually came in without any clothes. And we might leave with a nice suit on in a box, but I doubt that that's going with us either. So we have a chance to give to a ministry 
that's reaching the lost with the most important thing that men and women and children will ever hear, the gospel of the grace of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, bless this offering today. Thank you. Um, As we gather in this chapel, I think it's safe to say um, that we are the wealthiest people in the land because of who we know and what you have given us. We thank you for that. Bless this offering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, turn in your Bibles. Good morning. Turn in your Bibles to our text. One of the texts is Psalm 16, verse 11. And this is on the subject of joy. Yay. Yay, God. Yay. So, Psalm 16. So we're going to share... And speak on this subject this morning. We are helpers of each other's joy. We don't have dominion over each other, but are helpers of each other's joy. And that's in Second Corinthians one twenty-four. In this verse, Psalm sixteen, verse eleven, you will show me the path of life. In thy presence, his fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. What a what a amazing thought that at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he went to heaven, ascended, and sat at the right hand. And we can't help but think it parallels the pleasures at his right hand, and that is actually, in effect, Christ. So we have joy in promise to us. Look at Psalm 30, with with me, Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger endures but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Yeah, many of you have had weeping that happens in the night and maybe a month of weeping and or even more mourning for a lost loved one. And it happens, this sadness, this mourning happens. But joy comes in the morning. This is important that I would have hope that this will pass and that I will have joy from God's presence. At his right hand is not sorrow, but pleasures forevermore. Then in Psalm 30, go down to verse 11. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Amen. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. 
We have an advocate down here in the front row. <laughs> okay, amen. You turn my morning into dancing. Is that possible? Is it possible? Come on. Is it? Yes, it is. You have put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing and praise to you and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. Okay, so we're going to have a good message this morning. So would you stand with me for a moment? Just stand up and turn to your neighbor and just say, uh, weeping for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And don't ever forget it. You've turned my sackcloth. into gladness. Okay, you may be seated. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. God's good to it. Bible college starts this week. Come and jump in. Just, just come, you know. Just come at night, and we have classes, and look at the schedule if you want, or just come at 6 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then um, you can decide to sign up and uh, get a good diet of the Word. A lot of great Bible teachers, and I uh, just to learn the Word of God. Wow, what an education. Wow, how beautiful it is to be educated in the grace of God, the mind of God, and the grace of God. Now, uh, very simply, and many of you know this principle, it's very simple, but we have in the world happiness, right? Happy, 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 happy. We have another word in our Bible, and it is joy, and you also have the word blessed, and they are different. What's the difference? By the way, I'm not, ha- I'm not against happiness. Bring it on. Give me all. I'll take it all. I'll take it all. But happiness, one of the happiest times in my life was Friday as a schoolboy at 3 o'clock. <laughs> Friday afternoon. You couldn't find a happier kid. Happiness. Uh, happiness depends on what happens, doesn't it? Yeah? Happens. What happens? And we gear our life to hope for good times, hope uh, for something to make me happy. People go shopping to get happy, or they go to a bar room to get 
happy. How about happy hour? Happy hour, in my mind, is miserable hour. Just say that to yourself. Happy hour, no way. That's a miserable hour. That's an hour of destruction. Ah, you have to tear that hour. You know, that's, I don't need that. Okay, you follow me with that? Okay. Some of you are wondering, like, I don't know, why are you beating up happy hour? Okay, so uh, what, is, what is it that we actually need if something beautiful beyond us, something incredibly refreshing, refreshing, excuse me, uh, that is at the right hand of God, in his presence, his fullness of joy. So there are times in our Bible, particular times, when things happened where there was such great joy. So this is uh, Job 38, 7. When God created the universe, the angels sang with joy. There was, uh, when, when the angels, God made angels, and then he made the physical universe. And when they saw that, the angels sang with joy. What a experience that must have been for them. There was another time, Matthew 2, verse 10, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The angels, again, they're like amazed. They saw two incredible things, creation of the universe and the incarnation of God. That God would be so humble that he would be born as a baby in Bethlehem. And the angels sang to the shepherd boy. The shepherds were told to go to Bethlehem and they would see the Christ child there. And they saw. And what a great thing that was. Another time when there was extraordinary joy was at the resurrection of Christ. When Christ was raised from the dead, the verse I have here is Matthew 28, verse 8. Wow, what a great thing that must have been for the angels to see that, to roll away the stone. And then for us to be told, he is not here, he is risen. Whoa, this is extraordinary. This is not in our normal life of of weekly and monthly events. This is out of the order, out of the ordinary, out of the regular life. This is God visiting us with a message of joy. Another one was not simply the resurrection that in itself was incredible, but the ascension up. And the disciples, they saw him go up. And what joy, they returned to Jerusalem with joy. And they're waiting there for the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and they were filled with joy. And of course, we are anticipating the coming of Christ, the second coming. And when that happens, of course, that'll be incredible. Well, what about us now? 
We may we haven't seen any of those things personally, but we read about them in the scripture. But we are told by Jesus, I've spoken these words unto you that in me you might have peace in the world trouble. Be of good cheer. Seven times we have that phrase. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Many times it's said in a bad time. It said in a bad time when Paul was on the boat in Acts 27. He said, be, he said, be of good cheer. So I'd like to say something about this today and encourage all of us about what it is that we have in us. We have the spirit, my joy, I give you that your joy would be full. We have this joy in our hearts. I remember when um, I first went to Bible school, this is in 1972, and after the first couple of classes, I was so filled with joy. I was so excited about it. There was something happening in my heart that hadn't happened. Like I became alive. I was already born again, but then when I went to the Bible school, I just came alive. It was amazing. Whenever I hear about that, read it in history or hear about it with brothers and sisters, I'm excited about it. One time we we were living in Hungary and we had a mission for the whole area, including the country of Albania. So we flew to Albania and we were evangelizing and we were praying for one Albanian to come to Bible school in Budapest. And the Albanians are saying, we don't want to go east we don't want to go to Hungary, a pre, a former communist country. We want to go to the West. We want to make money. We want to go to Italy. We want to go uh, find, uh, we want to we need to bring money home to our family. So we were preaching on the streets there. And then this brother came and we, he was saved, but he wanted to hang out with us and learn. And then he listened go to Bible college in Budapest. It was his decision, but he said, you know, I'm already going to Italy. I'm planning I'm going to go to Italy by the ferry. But I, I got to say, the Lord is speaking to my heart. And one part of me, I don't want to go there to Hungary. I want to go to Italy. But he came to Hungary. And he, he told me, he goes, for like the first four days, I was I was walking off the ground. I was just filled with the Spirit and so encouraged. I had this amazing joy in my heart. I was so happy about my decision. I, I went to Hungary by faith. Well, make a long story short, he became a great servant. He's... Um, was I just saw him here up on the platform at the convention time. Uh, he married a Hungarian. Uh, he uh, eventually immigrated here, lives in Florida, and it's a beautiful story. Um, I'm trying to say there's something more than happiness in life. There is what you have and what I have is this joy. Now, there's one lesson I want to show you from Mark chapter 2. 
about where this joy comes from. So turn with me to Mark chapter 2 in verse 21. No man also sews a piece of new cloth on an old garment. No man sews a piece of new cloth on an old garment. Let me write it down like this. New cloth and old garment. It needs a little explanation. Um, new piece of cloth, when you wash it, it shrinks. If you sew new cloth on an old garment, wash the garment, new part shrinks. It's not a match. What's the point of the story? You can't mix two different things. Two different things can't go together. And what's the context? We'll look at it in a minute. But it's really, really two different economies, two different mindsets, two different ways of thinking, and they don't go together. Let's read the um, rest of the verse. It says, else the new piece that fills it up takes away from the old and the rent is made worse. This is how I understand it. It is like tearing it away. It's like shrinking and tearing. The point is, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. There are things in your life that that, that you and I live in an old economy, and Jesus came to give us a new economy that is the source of our joy. The source of joy is from God's new way, a new and living way, a gospel, the gospel, a message of grace that is able to love you and build you up. It is the ministry of God to you by his gift, his grace given to you. We'll we'll see it. I believe I can show it to you in a second. There's another one in verse 22 saying the same thing. No man puts new wine into old bottles. So we'll put that down here too. New wine. Now, wine ferments, produces gas. That gas, it puts pressure on the vessel. So the vessel is the stomach of a goat that is elastic and it will stretch with the gas gases inside from the wine so it would the ga- the stomach of the goat is prepared so that it can carry um wa- water or wine or whatever the person is drinking it's like a canteen well that that old that elastic elasticity goes away and the goat goat's stomach dries out and it can break. Under pressure, it, then it breaks and then it, it's destroyed. So he's saying, 
new wine in old skins is the same principle. You can't mix the two. One, one, one excludes the other one. So read verse 22. Else the new wine does burst the bottles, verse 22. And the wine is spilled and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles or elastic, you know, stretchable material. Okay? All right, so new wine, old skins. Okay. I'm speaking about joy now. We're going to talk about joy. How, how, what we have and how we think in regards to God and ourselves that produces joy. There is an old way. There's an old way of thinking. And Jesus says it doesn't work. The old way of thinking versus the new one, the new way of thinking, the mind of Christ, the mind of God, the new way. What is it? Okay, so we have two groups of people here in the text. So we are looking at chapter 2. We're going back to verse 15. So we're going to read from 15 down to um, 17. It came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For they were many, and they followed him. So I'm going to use these two groups of people to explain what this is, what this is, what this is saying, what what the parables mean here. So we have words here: sinners and publicans. How many are there? It says many. They were with Jesus. Why were they with Jesus? Who are sinners and publicans? Who are they? What do, what do they represent? Um, I know of a school that um, had 2,000 applicants, um, and they would only accept uh, 70 students. So what happens to all those students that are not accepted? They don't go to the school. They're on the outside. Has that ever happened to you? You were not chosen. Uh, have you ever decided to go on a weight-reducing diet and it kind of didn't work? Like, it didn't work with me. Have you um, ever been to a school and found yourself, like, in a lower level compared to everybody else? Uh, have you ever had a job and lost it? Bought a house, lost it. Had a marriage, lost it. Have you lost anything in this life? Have you lost things? Are you disappointed with yourself somehow? Have you failed in any way? 
in relationships or jobs or schooling or whatever? What do you what do you think the answer is? Is there, uh, it's yes, I have. Yes, I have. These these people that are with Jesus are people like that. They're like us. The people that are hanging out with Jesus are people that can feel or sense that he has something new, that he's not like the other group. Let's look at the other group here. Chapter 2, verse uh, 16. When the scribes and Pharisees, there we go. Let's write that down. Scribes. You know who these are? These are the winners. These are the people that write the books about success. These are the people that got a lot of money in the bank, maybe. Been to the best schools or, or the school or they climb, they do good. They're, they're the winners. Religiously, they are the successful people. Their reputation, their connections in the society, their connection with the pyramid of government, their approval rating is very good. The credit rating is very good. They're, they're just the, the good people. They're the good people. But actually, the point is that Jesus knows that behind the layers there, they're actually bad people. What do you mean, bad? Well, yeah, they may be good, but they, they're proud. They might be good, but they're self-confident. They might be good, but they're just capable, and their world is about them. But they have religion. They have religious language. They have religious organization. They are the winners. And where is Jesus with them? Jesus is on the outside, and Jesus is being judged because he's with the losers. This is where our joy comes from. It comes from understanding that Jesus is for me when I am a loser or when I have lost or when I am hurt. He is for me when I have sinned again and again and again. God forbid, I don't want to live in my sin. But if it happens, if it happened, do you realize there is no answer for you or I with this group of people here? Which, which side is it on? On the left, no, on the right side, yeah. There's no, I don't have any message here because I don't fit there. It doesn't work. I'm the guy that didn't get in the school. I'm the guy that was kicked out of the school. Or maybe I did succeed, but in my success I found my emptiness. I, I saw that there's something lacking. There's something missing. I've seen that, and I'm ready to admit it. And say that I need, I need, I need God. I need love. I need forgiveness. I need His, His ministry to me. I need Him. I need Him. Now these are the people, another way of saying it, they're in the health club and they're hitting all the good numbers 
for their blood pressure, their workout routine. They have a mentor. They're on the treadmill. They're working hard, working up a sweat. They're gaining in their workout. They're hitting it all. These are the people. That's, that's how people are. That's how the world is. This is, there are people that think in this, these terms. But Jesus says something to these people extraordinary. He says, you guys are working out in the health room, but I am in the OR. Some my my people, they're on a respirator. My people, they can't even move out of bed. My people are in such great trouble. They don't have any message. They don't have anything. You don't have anything to give them. You are the guys that you are the the great the great people. But what can you have? What can you do for those? And actually, in fact, you are not great people. You think you are, but you don't have joy. You don't have the forgiveness. You don't have the power. You don't have love. You cannot lay down your life. You don't know who God is. You're just another, it's another expression of the pride and arrogancy of the human heart. And you climbed up and you made it to the top, but you're on the wrong building. You climbed up the wrong ladder. You don't even know how wrong you are. This is the idea here. Let's go to the text and we'll finish. It says here, verse 16, When the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with publicans and sinners? This is where our joy comes from. He will eat with us. He will be with us. He'll be with you if you make your bed in hell. His right hand will lead you. Psalm 139. Our God is the God of all grace. Our God is the one that we call upon him. But, but uh, of course, don't live in sin. That's And do not tempt the Lord God. Proverbs 1, 22 to 31. But have a... Fear of God, respect him. And then it says here, when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician. It means um, we're in an ambulance going to the hospital, and they're in a SUV heading to the health club. It means they got it under control, and we don't have. That that need for God, that understanding of grace, is where our joy comes from. That he loves me. That Jesus taught us our Father. The Jews wouldn't say that eight times in the Old Testament, that God is our Father, but they didn't use that. In their prayer. But Jesus said to the disciples, pray this way, our Father. That's a big deal, that you have God as your Father, and that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace.
And if I don't have that love and joy and peace, just sit here for a little bit. Sit with Jesus in the midst of people that need him and say, he loves me. God loves me. God will never fail me. One writer said, if, I, if I'm a man of God and I have nothing in the house, I actually have everything. I have God in the house. If I am a man or a woman of God and I don't have much at all, and I have God, then I actually have everything I need. I have God in my, in my life. I have the God that hears my prayer, the one that cares about me. And he said, listen, I'm not a sour guy. I, in my presence is fullness of joy. I didn't make you to be miserable. I made you to have my joy. And this is how I do it. I take the loser in the, maybe I don't know the word, what, what the best word would be. I don't like the word loser. That's like a, a slapping me with an identity that's not, it's, it's not, okay, I am, but what? He girds me with gladness for the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I might have the mourning Ashes and the mourning and the sadness of life. I'm not denying the sadness. We're not denying the sadness of life. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. There it is. I will sit with you, publicans and sinners. I'll be with you. I will speak to you. I will listen to you. I will carry you. Remember in Isaiah, there was a God called Bel and Nabo. Remember, um, uh, maybe you recall it. There was this God, Bel, another one, Nabo, and they had to carry them, carry them on carts. And the Lord said, are you tired of carrying your gods around? Listen to this. I will carry you. Amen. Carry me, Lord. Love me, God. Give me grace. Big word. Grace. These sinners and publicans knew they didn't deserve it. And they knew they could never make it in the religious world. They never make it in the religion. They knew they could not. But Jesus said, these people need a physician. They're sick. And I am that physician. I will heal them. I will speak to them. I will carry them. I will save them. I will die and bleed and shed my blood that they would be forgiven. Given a new name. Brought to heaven justified. And be given something that the world cannot give. Okay, let's finish. The world we are in is lacking in joy. They run after the happiness. That's all that they, that's the world that they want is a, is a happy world. That's all. They run after it. And it comes up shallow and short. It's not enough for the human heart. It's not enough. Don't cheat yourself by looking for a happy life. But go for a better one, the joyful life, the holy life. 
the spiritual life, the life of trust in God. You might say, I'm not spiritual. I don't have any idea what that is. I don't know what that really means. And the answer for that is trust in the Lord. God knows you. God speaks to you. God knows your every step. He knows your thoughts are far off. He will hear you and answer you. You might say, I cannot do it. Tell it to God. I cannot do it. That's what he wants to hear. He's sitting with publicans and sinners and saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am what you need. I'll be with you in the truck. I'll be with you in the hospital. I'll be with you at the end. I'll be with you at the beginning. I'll be with you at the basketball court. I'll be with you when you have money. I'll be with you when you don't have money. I'll be, I'll, you will learn to be satisfied because I am God, the living God, the wise God, the almighty God. You see, the Pharisees, they're like old, right here, old Pharisees, old garments, old skins. Have you ever gotten the feel of some old, crusty Christian who is self-righteous with the Bible? And knows the right way and has mastered prayer, mastered discipleship, mastered the Bible, can speak to you all day long. And he's like very serious about it and everything. And you say, listen, I appreciate you. God bless you. Have a great day. I don't know if you got anything from me. I don't know if you got anything to give me or share with me or help me. I need a physician. I'm on a respirator. I got my blood pressure goes up and I flatline every other day. I'm a dead man. I'm a barely alive. Do you have anything for me? No, I'm afraid you haven't mastered prayer enough. You haven't read your Bible enough. You don't quote the Bible enough. You're not discipled. I'm sorry, I can't I don't have anything for you. And Jesus said, Give them to me. Give them to me. Give them to me. I am God. I'm the God of all grace. I'm the God that helps the, I'm, I'm the one that comforts the feeble mind. I'm the one that carries you all the way through life. I'm the one that will never leave you or forsake you. When you make stupid decisions, I'll be right there with you, right next to you, waiting on, waiting on you to come to the end of yourself and saying, I need Jesus Christ in my life. Give me your life and fill me with your joy and way. That's what I need. Amen. Should I say it again? All over again? Preach it? Hey, okay. Let's do one more little run on it. Um, I'm not against disciplined people. I love it. I'm not, I love that. That's a great way to live. I'm not against people that succeed in life. I'm not, that's fantastic. May God bless them even more. But we're talking about a world in trouble. And though the, there are a lot of people we cannot even handle what the messages are that are in this world. Because those messages are not the message of grace. And what we need is a good dosage of love. Undeserved love, unearned love, lost on a bed, respirator, hardly alive, and I need the living God 
as, as, as my life and my Savior. And that's what Jesus said to these people. If I take my disciples and patch them onto you guys, not going to work. My disciples, they got to be a whole new thing. Because I don't want them to be baptized in vinegar. If they hang out with you, they're going to be sour and miserable just like you are. They will not serve. They will not reach the world. They will not get it. They will not know it. It'll be just another human thing. But my disciples, my disciples, Jesus is saying, they need to be baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit, understand the grace of God in the gospel, realize what I did on the cross, and what I did on the cross cannot be compared to anything anybody has ever done in the history of the world. When I die on the cross, I make it possible for you to stand in grace, grow in grace, learn grace, speak grace, and be built up in grace every day of your life. I made it possible for you to know every day God is for me and not against me. And amazing. Amen. Lord Jesus, the the joy of the Christian through history, the joy of the believer being loved by you and calling you Father. This is our privilege. Uh, Use us, Lord, in the world to bring another message to the world, not one of performance, but one of grace, one of faith, one of forgiveness, message of love, joy, even on a Monday when we go to work, to be filled with your joy and purpose in life. Thank you. Open our mouths to make known the mysteries of Christ and help others find you, we pray. And anyone listening this morning, listening to this message could say, you could say in your heart, I need Jesus in my life. I have believed in God. I've been to church. I I understand these things in a way, but I got to be honest. I've never gotten serious about it. I've never said to Jesus, yes, to you. I want to do that today. Say yes to Christ. Yes, save me. Forgive me. And be, be my Savior, I pray. And just with every head bowed, anybody saying that prayer here this morning in the auditorium, just raise your hand just so I can see it. Encourages me. Anybody? Yes to Jesus. First time. Anybody? Anybody at all? Yes to Jesus. Well, bless our service uh, at one o'clock, Lord, uh, the face-to-face service, and then tonight the evening service today. And thank you for the life of each one here. In Jesus' name, Amen.